So Nick is, um, is our high school pastor. And um, so hold on to your seats, right? Every high school pastor preaches it. It's on. The main service. Yeah, it's, it's on. on. But let's, let's lift them up. And uh, as you may know, we are going through a series of Acts, um, going through the book of Acts. There's a number of teachers this summer that are teaching through Acts as Pastor Brian um, you can continue to pray for him that he would be rested in this uh, sabbatical time that he has. And in the meantime, Nick and some other pastors are uh, going to continue through the book of Acts. So let's pray for him now and God might be glorified in this time. Father, we're thankful that we can pray and know, Lord, even as we looked at last week, Cornelius's prayers, they went before you as a memorial. And God, as we pray, even as we have Jesus as the intercessor, as the advocate, as the mediator, Lord, between us and God, we thank you that your, your, your Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful for the book of Acts we get to study. We're thankful for the truths that we get to unpackage. And I pray for my brother right now. We all do, Lord, and just ask you to anoint his mind and heart right now. His speech would be that of heaven for our hearts. And expand our hearts, Lord, as we would hear, not just to be hearers only, but doers as well. And we, so we set this time aside, just ask for your blessings as he uh, proclaims your word now out of the book of Acts. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thanks, buddy. Thanks, James. Are, are, are we good volume-wise for this puppy? I realize we didn't. Good? Nice. All right. How, how's, how's everybody doing this morning? Do, do, do we have anybody visiting from out of town today or first time at Calvary? Oh, welcome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, Sorry, I'm going to clean my glasses real quick. Um, yeah, Aaron and Sarah, I think, I think amen was your, first, your, your son's first word there. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to be continuing Acts 10. So if uh, you want to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, if you need a Bible, uh, there's some ushers that are coming around. Just throw a hand up and they can get you one. Uh, but we're going to be in Acts 10, 17, and we're going to be going through verse 33. Today, so uh, yeah, so James, uh, Pastor James, preached last week, and it was an awesome sermon. Um, if you didn't catch that, definitely check out the website. Uh, but it was great. He, he was he was talking a lot about um, the transformation that Peter goes through during this whole chapter, um, and we're gonna pretty much pick up where James left off and talk more about Peter's transformation. Um, it was cool. Uh, Theologian John Scott talked about this chapter, and he was like, the principal subject of this chapter is not so much the conversion of Cornelius, which we'll get to, uh, courtesy of Eric Maldonado over here in a couple weeks. Um, but the, the focus uh, and, the, and the primary thing isn't so much Cornelius's conversion, but actually the process that Peter goes through uh, as he changes and that God, how God shapes him and moves him through this, this chapter, uh, through his word, um, through what, what God speaks to him. Uh, so... So yeah, we're going we're gonna to pick up in uh, 17, and let me flip there. For, okay, here we go. Okay, so we got to do some context, uh, just in case you didn't hear what went on last week. And chapter 10 is kind of like the Hobbit video. You guys might be like, why didn't they just do one sermon? We decided to do three. So this is part two of a three-part chapter 10, and that's how we roll. We, we go through a little section, and we talk about it. Uh, so, what, so what's going on in chapter 10 so far? So first we have this dude, Cornelius. And he's a centurion. Uh, he's a guy who is in charge of some Roman soldiers of the Italian co- cohort. And we hear that he's, he's a, faithful, a faithful man of God. He loves God. He, he believes in God, but he's not a Jew. 
And he prays, he gives to the poor. He's, he's this awesome guy, and yet he still is not part of God's covenant community at, at this point. And so Cornelius, Cornelius is praying one day, and God shows up to him. He sees this vision, and he hears this voice, and he says, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard by God, and I want you to go find this guy Peter in Joppa, which is a town that's about 30 miles north of Caesarea. He's like, I want you to go find this guy and invite him to your house because he's got a word for you. And Cornelius is like, all right, cool, let's do this. And, and so he sends two of his servants, who, who aren't Jews, and a devout soldier, one of his guys, 30 miles, they travel an uh, overnight trip up to Joppa to find Peter. And, and that's where we pick up. Well, and there's another detail of the story. Because meanwhile, while Cornelius has this vision, back at the ranch in Joppa, Peter, the apostle, is on a rooftop praying. And he's, you know, he's spending some time praying. He's like, man, I'm really hungry, but the food's not ready. And all of a sudden, Scripture tells us he falls into a trance, and he sees this vision of something like a sheet descending, and there's all these animals on it. And Peter's like, well, that's interesting. Like, every animal on there is absolutely the entire menu of nothing I would ever eat as a Jew. And then he hears this voice that says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's like, uh, Lord, no, I've never eaten anything unclean. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if a cattle rancher went to a vegan restaurant. He's like, there's nothing on the menu here at all. <laughs> and and so, so God says, uh, this is Acts 10, 15. He says, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happens three times. And this is, this is interesting, too. The, the number three's got some significance in Jewish tradition. Um, the number three is used in the Torah to mediate between two opposing ideas or contra- contradictory values. The third value mediates and reconciles and connects the two. Uh, the number three is the number of truth. Uh, according to Jewish tradition, if something was done three times, it meant that it was a permanent thing. That's crazy, huh? So Peter's like, all right, God did this three times. Something's going on. Something's happening. And, and this is where we pick up literally right after Jesus, or not Jesus, but right after Peter sees this vision. Uh, so we're going to read 17 through 33, and then we're going to work our way through it. All right, starting in, uh, in verse 17. So it says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So, so the apostle Peter was at this dude, Simon, who was at Tanner's house. And that's where he's posting up in, Jop- or, or in uh, Joppa. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, and they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're uh, you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by, the holy, by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invites them in to be his guests. The next day they rose and went, to, uh, and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. 
When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And he talked with them and he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew like me to associate with or to visit anyone of any nation but God who has shown me, uh, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before the Lord. Send therefore to Joppa to ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging there in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. See, I, uh, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded, or have been commanded by the Lord. All right, let's, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll talk about this. Sound good? Um, God, thank you, for, thank you for our family. Um, God, just thinking about how you work in circumstances, God, in, in crazy ways. Uh, you speak to people in um, separate locations, God. You do things and you orchestrate by your province and your love for us. Uh, God, you, you mold things together for our blessing, for your glory. And so, God, it, it's no coincidence that we're all here to hear from you this morning, God. And um, so, Lord, we, we're, we're humbled by how awesome and loving you are, God, that you reach out to us, all of us who are separated from you, God, and you call us to you um, to be your sons and daughters, God, to be, to be brought to you and to be in relationship with you. Um, and so, God, we pray for our time here. Pray that you open up our minds and our hearts to receive your word. God, give us humility uh, and, and, and just a will that is tender, God, to hear what your, your word, your scripture has to say to us. And God, that it would change us, Lord, that we would look like, more like the family, the, the church, the people, the disciples that you've called. Um, God, that we would be shaped by your word to be the, the, the body of Christ um, as, as it truly is. And so, God, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Um, and Lord, just thanks for, thanks for bringing us together this morning. Uh, we're thankful for this time. So Lord, we love you and uh, lift us, all this up to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, so we're going we're gonna to go back to the top. I know we read all that, but we're going to go back to verse 17 and just work our way through this. And, and so, so let's go back to Peter being perplexed. I, I love how the scripture talks about Peter being inwardly perplexed. My, my take on that is he's pretty stinking confused. Like he has no idea what's going on. And, and throughout, throughout the chapter as we're, or this section of, of, of scripture, um, kind of keep in your minds, I, I, I was picturing sort of an odometer uh, or a, 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 um, a speedometer, I guess would be the better, the better term but of confusion. So zero is like, I got this. Like, I totally understand exactly what everything's going on. 
and 100 is like my head is exploding. I have no idea what's going on. And I feel like God's kind of ramping Peter's confusion up throughout this whole chapter. He's just putting on layer upon layer upon layer of challenges for Peter. Um, So Peter's perplexed, and it's like God drops this crazy vision on Peter, and then Peter's like, what? Like, I, I don't know. If, if you watch The Office, I kind of got this, you know, like the, the whole scene is going on. And then Jim looks at the camera and is like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, P- Peter is struggling to figure out what, what's happening uh, and, what, and what God's telling him. And then he hears the Holy Spirit say, hey, go downstairs because there's some people that I sent that I, I want you to meet and I want you to go with them. And so Peter walks downstairs, he's like, okay, that was crazy, but, like, this is clear, I'm going to go downstairs. And he opens up the door, and who does he find? He finds two Gentile dudes and a Roman soldier. And so we, we got to talk about this for a sec, because the, the speedometer just ramped up a little bit. Uh, so who, who are the Gentiles? Um, this might be a familiar term to y'all, but just, just to clarify... The Gentiles were basically anybody, it was a blanket term used for anybody who was not Jewish, right? Um, and, and the Jews thought about the Gentiles as, and I, th- I think there was a spectrum of how different Jews thought about Gentiles, but the overarching idea was like, these people are unclean, they don't roll how we roll, and they definitely don't know God. So a, a lot of people thought about Gentiles as just like kindling, right? Um, there's a pastor I, I remember hearing who talks about that concept, like, these people are just, you know, going to, they hate the Lord and they're just going to burn someday or something like that. That's a pretty extreme way to think about people, right? But yet this is the, the idea, and, and, and we know Peter has been stretched in this, right? He spent Jesus' whole entire ministry with him, and Jesus did a lot of crazy things that pushed back a lot against a lot of the Jewish traditions, the Jewish laws that were in place then. So Peter's like already used to this, this pushing and pulling by the Lord in terms of what he thinks is, is good and bad. But yeah, he still would have been like confused. God, God sent these Gentiles to me. Okay, so that's them. But then let's talk about the Roman soldier. I, th- this is not in the scripture, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that when Peter opened up the door, he saw Gentiles. He's like, uh, not super cool, not super cool. And then he got to the Roman soldier. He's like, this guy is part of the army that was that participated in killing my rabbi. They weren't successful, which is pretty cool, right? Jesus rose, so not, not victorious. But again, like a Roman soldier shows up to your door, and you're a Jew, and you're a Jew on the run, right? At this point, um, the, uh, the Jewish you know, Pharisees, Sanhedrin, were, were, were seeking out Jews um, or Christians to, uh, to persecute them, arrest them. So a Roman soldier shows up at your door, and you're like, okay, why are the cops here? Like, what's going on? That's never a good sign. But, but this is what's crazy is that um, uh, these are the people that God says, Peter, I, w- I want you to go with these guys. And so, so Peter is in front of these guys that like, I would never go with these people on any other circumstance other than I had the clearest message from the Lord that these are the, the guys I'm supposed to go with. Uh, so he's like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm the guy, what, you know, what, what do you want? And they say, our leader, a centurion, again, Peter's probably like, oh gosh, a centurion wants to come find me? Why is this? Uh, but they're like, Cornelius had this vision from an angel for us to go find you and to bring you back to preach or to, to talk about something that God's told you. 
And at this moment, Peter's confusion probably ramps up again, but he's like, how can I argue with that? Like, look what just happened on the roof. Like, God did some crazy things. And, and then these guys are saying they witnessed an angel telling them to come find me. These guys have never heard or met of Paul or Peter. I might do that a couple times through it. I'm going to try to focus on Peter, not Paul. Um, but they've never met Peter. They have no idea who he is. And yet they found him. What? And, and so this is what Peter does. He invites them in. Um, one commentator writes, he's like, the angels must have been looking down at a tanner, an apostle, two Gentiles, and a Roman soldier all under the same roof, right? That's like the beginning to a joke, right? Like, you know, that kind of thing. And, but the point is that Peter would have never done this previously, right? And God's shaping him through what he's speaking to him, through the experiences that he's, uh, that, that he's putting Peter through. Um, so I, I want to I depart from the story a, a little bit, and I want to talk about faith and confusion, um, raise your hand if you've, I, I, if you are a Christian and you've been confused about your relationship in some aspect, shape, or form at some point, or your relationship with God at some point in your life. Maybe raise them loud and proud just so we can see we're not among, we're not the only people. That's a common experience for, for us as Christians. Um, and sometimes confusing scripture is scripture that, that seems offensive to us. Uh, it can be, it can be really tough be really, really tough. Um, and I know I've, I've, talked to, I've talked to some of you, I've talked to people outside of our church uh, who have been really hurt and maybe even left the church because they've had a tough, pressing, important question that has been glossed over by a response of just have faith, right? Um, and confusion is really tough for us to deal with as we're trying to pursue a relationship with God, right? Um, but I think it's interesting to look how Peter responds as God is ramping up his confusion. He, he doesn't slam the door and reject these, these Gentiles, this Roman soldier. He, he invites them into his house. Uh, the, the, the Greek talks about, he just didn't say like, all right, you guys travel a long way, like come in, there's a corner, I'll be upstairs on the roof, I'll see you tomorrow. It, it actually says, like, Peter entertained these guys. He cooked food for them. They talked. They, they, they hung out maybe late into the night. Peter's not just, like, lodging them. He's, he's connecting with them, right? Um, and, th- and this is what Peter does. He, he steps forward in what he does understand. He keeps wrestling with what he doesn't understand. All throughout this, you know, Peter's still like, what the heck did that vision mean? Like, why did God do this weird thing three times? Uh, and all throughout this, this process, he continues um, to stay with God and to trust God, right? Um, dealing with confusion in, in a God-honoring way, I think, is, stepping, is just this, stepping forward in, in what we do understand, um, continuing to wrestle with what we don't understand, and all the while still staying in relationship with God, uh, Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And this isn't saying your, your, your intellect and, and your mind is just a throw to the gutter. This isn't, this isn't endorsing blind faith, but it's speaking into a relationship of finite people connecting with an infinitely wise God, right? And, and, and so if, if you're hearing this, this trust in the Lord with, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding... Um, this isn't coming from a God who's, 
who's asking you, who's demanding you, your, your trust and, and your faith uh, because he wants to abuse it. God's not evil. He's our loving, eternally wise father. And, and, and I think, I think here, here's the point, is that our relationship with God is the safest place to be confused. Our relationship with God is the safest place to be confused because God, God uh, I, um, I was just thinking of the song, uh, all treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside your hands, right? All treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside your hands. We're confused in relationship with God who has all things covered. He has all knowledge. So, so being in relationship with God is the safest place to be confused. Um, okay, so back to the story. Next morning, they wake up, they eat some falafel, and they hit the road, right? They, they, so, and, and Peter takes with him uh, six, six brothers. So these guys were Jewish Christians. And it's interesting, uh, Peter, so, so uh, Jew, Jewish law talks about the, the witness of three is kind of like the legitimizing number, right? You have three witnesses. Okay, if they testify to what you're saying, you're legit. So P- Peter's like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be doubly sure, right? It's like, it's like packing spare, like, I don't know, four spare tires in the back of your car on a road trip, right? I'm going to be absolutely prepared. Um, and so Peter takes six brothers, not three, with them, and they travel overnight, and they get to Caesarea. Again, it's like 30 miles. Um, and they show up, uh, and it, um, this is verse uh, 25 and 26. Um, it says, when Peter entered... Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let's, let's back up a sec. This is 24. Um, he says, On the following day, they, Peter and his entourage and the crew, entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And I thought this was so cool. Like, again, Cornelius doesn't know Peter. He doesn't know who this guy is. But he knows what Peter is going to, the message that Peter has, right? God, God said, uh, if, if, we, if we look, if you just cruise forward a little bit and look at Acts 11.4. Peter's recounting this story to all the Jewish Christians later on in Jerusalem. And he talks about Cornelius knowing that that this message, whatever Peter was going to preach to him, was a message that would save him and his household. So Cornelius is like, this is legit, okay? And and I think think Cornelius loves and he knew God, but he wasn't 100% sure that he was accepted by God. And so, so I, and again, this is speculation, but I think Cornelius' prayers, when he had this vision, were, God, I love you, and, and I'm, I'm asking you to accept me. I'm asking you to, to, to bring me in, that, that I would be, uh, be in relationship with you. At this point, Cornelius isn't a Jew. He's not allowed to offer sacrifices in the temple. Um, so there's this distance between Cornelius and God, and, and Cornelius wants that gap to close. Uh, so Cornelius is thinking like, all right, this is, whatever Peter says is going to be transformational. And so he rounds up his close friends and his whole family, right? And that's like, that's, it's like, hey, everybody that I love and that knows me the best come together to hear this guy who we've never met, but he's got something important to say. I think that's really cool. Um, so, so Peter enters, this is verse uh, 25 and 26, um, it says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Uh, but Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up, I too am a man. And so why, why did Cornelius do this? That would kind of be a weird way, like, I don't know, if you're, 
your grandparents walked in the door or something like that, or just, I don't know, like the president, and you were like, oh, gosh, you know? Like, that's, that seems weird to us that that would be our reaction. Um, but check this out. Uh, so I'm just going to read a, a commentator. Um, in the east, so if you're looking at a map, you're looking at Israel in this way, to the right. <laughs> uh, in the east, the way of showing respect, uh, or this was a way of showing respect that was customary for kings and people of superior station, right? So this would have been something that would have been, wouldn't have been way out of context for Peter if this was in kind of his, his, his tight culture. But check this out. Um, but among the Greeks and the Romans, this action was reserved for the gods. This was a, a profession of you are divine, you are holy, like you are powerful, and whatever you, whatever you have to say. Cornelius is basically saying like he thinks... Peter is probably some sort of God. And it's interesting, Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14 deal with the same thing. They're they're preaching the gospel in Lystra, and everyone there is like, oh, these guys are awesome, they're gods, let's start sacrificing. And and Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 put down the knife, put down the bulls and stuff. This is not not what we need to do. This is not the right response to what we're we're telling you guys. and, and so this, that Peter responds by saying, no, 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 get up. I'm just like you. Uh, what, what I think this, this shows us is how, how Christians, how early Christians, uh, how Christians, I think, should respond to the power that would be given to them, right? Um, so a common, uh, so we're, we're going to look at, is this, oh, the slide. Um, so we're going to look at this, this dynamic between faith and power for a sec. Uh, so a common objection to Christianity is that Christianity, like all other religions, was created by powerful people to keep less powerful people subjugated, right? Um, Karl Marx famously said that religion is the opiate of the masses, right? It's supposed to keep the, the common folk dumbed down. Um, there was an there was a article that The Independent published um, earlier on this year in May and the title of it was, Religion Could Die Out As World's Population Gets Richer, Evolutionary Scientists Claim. And basically their argument was, way back in the day, the wealthy classes were like, hey, we want to keep our power, so let's create a system, a religion, to, to kind of uh, uh, lessen or dumb down the desire for those that are lower than us to seek power and money. Um, but this article puts forth that as people get richer and get more power, Religion is going to go by the wayside. Um, so, so in short, what is this saying? Uh, they're arguing that Christianity was created by people so that they could control other people. But look, look at the evidence here. This, and this is one spot in Scripture that I think attests to this, is that Peter is in a perfect position to absolutely own Cornelius and his entire family, right? They're worshiping him as a god. Peter could have used this platform to, like, all right, you know, God's telling me to give us your house. And to, you know, Cornelius, he wants all your soldiers to come follow me. Like, like Cornelius is in the perfect position to abuse power. But what does he do? He immediately refuses worship. He refuses that power. Um, and he places himself as equal with everybody there. And this is the point, is that Christianity isn't an attempt to keep powerful people in power. It's a response to the revelation of Jesus Christ, who leverages his power 
to heal people, to, to, to restore people, and to give, new, or give people new life. Like, that is what Christianity is about. Luke, the author of Acts, writes in his gospel, um, this is in chapter 7. Uh, so at this point in, in Luke's gospel, John the Baptist just got arrested by Herod. And he sends his disciples to Jesus because John wants to know, like, is Jesus actually the Messiah? And this is what Jesus responds to John's question. Uh, oh, oh, there I am. Um, this is what Jesus says, says. He says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Because being a Christian means to follow Christ. And if Christ lived this way and he says, love others as I have loved you, this is how Jesus uses his power, right? And this is how, if, if he's the one that we follow, this is the example that he sets. And the most profound example of this is that Jesus leverages his ultimate power, his life, on the cross so that we could be reunited with God. That's how God uses power. So, so, so this, this, this idea that somehow humanity leverages religion, um, re- leverages Christianity specifically, that's what we're talking about, to abuse people. And granted, I know that there's been people throughout the ages that have used our faith in horrible ways, but I think that's a gross abuse of power and absolutely contradictory to all the evidence that we see in Scripture, specifically the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember that. When, when that comes up, is, is, is God's, is God, as I'm reading Scripture, is, is my faith meant to, to suppress and to take advantage of me? No, no, no. Look at how Jesus uses his power for our blessing, for the blessing of the world, past, present, and future, right? That's how... God uses his power. Um, so, so, so let's pick it up. This is uh, in verse 27. Um, so as Peter and Cornelius are talking, uh, Peter walks into Cornelius' house and he finds all these people gathered. And this is what Peter says to him. He says, you know yourselves that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate with anyone or to visit anyone, or sorry, um, for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection and asked you, why have you sent for me? And this is beautiful because this is the point where we realize that Peter locked in for him, right? It it finally clicked that God is telling me that I, I can't look at other people and say, I'm clean and they're unclean, right? God, God, God's taking out this barrier in Peter's life. Um, and, uh, and, and it's interesting, too. Uh, so, so, yeah, so again, what, is, what, is, what did that whole vision with the sheep and the animals and all that kind of stuff mean? God was communicating to Peter that he can't think of anybody as unpure or, or unclean anymore. And, and it's interesting, too, because there's no direct scripture that says Jews shouldn't hang out with Gentiles. But the idea was is that uh, Jews are, are, are trying to stay what we would call ritually clean, right? They, they don't want to come into contact with things that would make them ceremonially unclean. And there's some foods, James went over this last week, uh, and I think it's Leviticus 11, 
where it, there's a list of, of foods that God says, hey, I don't want you to eat these. I want you to be separate and holy. And, and if you do eat these things, there's a process to go through to, to in a sense, to, to cleanse you again. And so, um, so the, the idea for the Jews was like, gosh, if Gentiles eat these foods, we just don't want to risk it, right? It's, it's like holding a baby, right? It's like, oh, you're so cute. And then they puke all over your shirt and you got to go change your shirt. So you could say, oh, I'm going to hold babies and I just might have to change my shirt. Or you could just say, I'm not going to hold babies anymore, right? That's kind of the, that might be a weird illustration, but <laughs> you might get the idea. So that, that's kind of how the Jews are thinking about um, Gentiles. And, and so over time, the, the, rege- the separation of Gentiles became synonymous with the relationship of God, like with God. So if we want to be in relationship with God, we got to protect ourselves from these other people. But God instrumentally here removes this barrier in Peter's life so that he could use Peter to speak life and new life in the gospel to Cornelius, right? Um, and this is, isn't this the story of the gospel that God removes barriers in our lives to bring us into relationship with him, right? Isn't that the, exactly the story that's being lived out now? Um, and, uh, and, and Cornelius follows up by telling Peter the story. He's like, hey, this is what God did in my life and how, how he worked in my life to invite you to be here. And, and think about this for a sec. How did we all get here today? You know, some people came from out of town. You guys got up this morning. You took a shower, had your coffee. Um, but, but go back even before that. Go as far back as you can think about. And, and in the sense, like, God is orchestrating and doing things on so many different levels to bring us into contact with him. Uh, <laughs> I want to share a story with you guys. Um, and I'm, I'm going to do it fast because when you wrap up here in a sec. But uh, so some of you know, um, I, I played music after college with some guys, um, so we can put up the first slide. So that's us back in the day. <laughs> that's in 2009. And that's definitely me with a handlebar mustache and a sombrero. Uh, and those are cattle horns on the front of our RV. So we, t- we took, I'll, I'll draw attention to it, because that's an armadillo on our front grill, too. We'll tell that story later. That's, that's not pertinent to what's going on today. It's not live, though. It's not live, which probably makes it more weird, but that was back in 2009. Um, so let's go to the next slide. So, so this was our rig that we traveled around the United States for four months, and, and we, I think it was about three months into it, we're at, at the, we're in Texarkana, great place. I don't know if anybody's been there, but it's on the Texas-Arkansas border, and we camped out for a couple days, and we're driving to Kansas City for our next show. And if you know any, anything about that neck of the woods, the distance between, or the, the section of highway between Texas, Arkansas, and Kansas City is called Tornado, Tornado Alley for good reason. You can probably figure out why they call it Tornado Alley. So we hit the road about 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving, and all of a sudden, about 10 minutes into it, I, I, I feel this, like, this, this jolt. And our speed limit drops about 10, 10 miles per hour. I'm like, that's weird. Checking my mirrors, can't see anything. And so I'm like, all right, I don't know what that was. So I pressed on the gas a little more. Don't do that. If you guys have a car issue, if you can see real close, I don't know if you can see it on the right tire right there. It's supposed to be at a 90, but it's about a 120 degree lean right there. That's a signal of you've got too much weight in your trailer. 
and it finally caught up with us today. So this, this Ford Taurus screams past us, flashing our lights, and I'm like, okay, this is good. So I pull over, and as I'm pulling over, we see that the tire on a trailer was off, and we were dragging it, just sparks, rooster tailing out the back. And this guy hops out of the car. He's like, oh, man, your tire just caught on fire and flew into the <laughs> forest, and it was almost hit me and this other guy in this truck. And, and we look back, and literally, I'm like, no joke, we hear sirens, and we see smoke coming out of the forest, like, I don't know, 15 miles down the road or something like that. And we're like, oh, my gosh. And we're like, we got to get to Kansas City to, to play a show, and we don't have the time to do this. And so we spent like four or five hours getting a new trailer, calling family to get money. It was ridiculous. But we hop back on the road, and we get a call from our buddy in Kansas City. He's like, hey, man, you guys got to check the weather because there was a storm on that route that you're driving that just blew over a semi, semi-truck. And so we're looking at the weather. We're looking at, um, at the news, and we realize that because we got delayed four hours, we missed. We were at the tail, the tail end of this massive storm that maybe could have threatened our lives. And at that moment, I'm like, God, you just did all this, I think, to save our lives, right? And, and once we all put a finger on that, we're like, this is not a coincidence. And that, my friends, is that's God's providence, right? God's working in so many different ways. And that's the story of all scripture, right? If you look back in Genesis, God's very first promise is coming with Abraham and says, I'm going to make you a nation that is going to be more prolific than the stars in the sky. And what do we have here? The gospel is about to come to the first Gentile. And, and all of us here, if we're... If, 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 we, if we weren't raised Jewish, I guess. All of us here who are Christians are products of this tradition of the gospel going forth to all nations, right? Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Um, what, yeah, what, what's, what's God doing in your life today? What, what barriers does God want to remove in your life? Um, and, 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 and to people in the room who don't have faith in Christ right now, um, I want to ask, ask you guys, like, what, what, are, what are the barriers between you and God? Um, that, that's an awkward question to be asked in this place, right? Being in a church, uh, this can be intimidating, right? This can be kind of a weird place. Um, but it's an important question for, for us to ask is, what, what, what are the things, the ideas, the, the concepts that are keeping you from, from Christ? Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that if you're in the room and that resonates with you, I don't think it's any coincidence that we're having this, this conversation. We're talking about this today, right now, right? Like, like we, we, didn't, we didn't plan to be talking about this specific passage today. Um, you know, we, there, there's... You know, maybe, I don't know who invited you, um, but we, we didn't, you know, kind of put our heads together and be like, all right, how can we set things up to do this? The, the, if you're here and that resonates with you, that is the Lord, I 100% believe, reaching out to you and, and inviting you to let down those, those guards, to let down those barriers and to give them a listen, right? And, and, and I think we have deeply, some of us have deeply held beliefs, issues, frustrations with the church. 
Um, but look at Peter. Peter grew up his whole life thinking that Gentiles weren't the people he was supposed to hang out with. And he finds himself in a room preaching the gospel to Gentiles. Peter let down his barriers because he knew who was inviting him to do that. It was the man who died on the cross for him, however many months earlier, gave his life so that Peter could be reconnected with God. That's who's inviting him, a loving savior, not some tyrannical other being, loving father. Um, for those of us who do have faith in Christ, just what, what, what barriers are you creating in your life? We all have this concept, every single one of us, whether we're, we're Christian or non-Christian, we all have this idea of what is unclean and what is clean. For, 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 for some of us, unclean might be people within the LGBT community. It might be, uh, I don't know, Republicans, Democrats. Um, it might be atheists. Uh, it might be people who like Creed, um, the band. <laughs> no offense if anybody does. Uh, it might be people in your own family. Um, and, and I'll close with this. Uh, if, if the worship team wants to come up, um, uh, we'll, we'll close, close with a, a couple of ver- a verse here. Um, so this is Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 through 13. Um, it says, Remember, therefore, that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Um, Because Jesus loved us, he broke every barrier. Every barrier that stood between us and him, he smashed through it because he he loves us, right? That's why God did it. Um, And so just I want to ask you guys, what, what barriers is God inviting you to put down so that he can use you to bring his love and his truth into a community that he wants to bring life to. Um, so let's, let's stand and pray and worship the Lord.